I hope you had a good weekend. I've had a, an awesome weekend, but I'm so tired. I'm just like, I'm so ready for that Sunday afternoon nap. I have a niece, her name's Katie Bobo, and she's four years old, and I absolutely adore her. And she came up to visit uh, this weekend uh, from Olive Branch, Mississippi, and we have had the best time. We have drawn treasure maps, and we went to see Puss in Boots, and we ate popcorn, we've had brownies and pizza. We have uh, played on the playground, and we've just done all kinds of things. I just made sure that um, she's going to have the best time of her life and that I will remain the favorite uncle of all time. I've secured that spot and slowly trying to change her from being a Mississippi State fan to Tennessee Vol. That's not going so good, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. The only thing I think I would do differently about the weekend was Friday night. Originally, I thought, I'll take her to Abuelo's. What four-year-old doesn't like Mexican, right? That'll be delicious. I wanted to see the gray, and I thought that would be kind of cool. Um, she's got this wolf thing, so we didn't see that. Instead, what we did, um, I'm, I'm good. I know, I know all about kids, but uh, we, we went to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. You ever been to Chuck E. Cheese on a Friday night? <laughs> on a rainy Friday night? And I'm not saying, if you're a hillbilly, please don't be offended. I know you're sensitive. But um, everybody came down out of the mountains to this Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> on Friday night. It was the thing to do. I was so outnumbered. I mean, I have this beautiful little child with me who does not have a mohawk, and that's fine if you're stuss. Um, neither one of us are tatted up or pierced that much, you know. We just fell out of place. And she's so totally overwhelmed. This is just, it's wild. I, I just, I didn't, I kind of knew what to expect, but I didn't, you know. It's loud, there's lights, and everything's flashing, and people, and there's giant stuffed people, animals, and it was just, um, and she just walked around with her little tokens like this the whole time, and finally said, can I have a Sprite? And I said, yeah, let's both get one. I think yeah, we, we can need a little something. We didn't last long there. I don't know what I was thinking. That was kind of crazy. And I saw the most interesting families there. And you know how people just kind of, they walk everywhere, and we're standing there, and she's trying to decide which direction to go. When there's a, and there's a family, and the father and like one or two of the uh, brood is here, and a couple of them are here, and they get into an argument. And the wife's over here, and she's yelling at one of the kids, "You come down out of that thing! Or I'm going to come in there." And I thought, "Ma'am, you're not getting in there. I can guarantee you. <laughs> I, it's physics. It's just so." Anyway, she gets off, and he's yelling at her, and we're standing there, and my niece just leans into me more and more and puts her arms around my leg. And she's just like, I'm not letting these people scare me. I thought, they're scaring me, baby, and I'm holding on to her. <sighs> you know what I'm talking about, right? And some of you know what it's like to be in a, a family that's a little crazy. Yeah, it's just a little dysfunction. I come from a family. We got our issues. We got a couple little things. One of the things we would never do, though, and I'm just going to preach about this. For, and I'm going to take an entire message one day. Have you ever seen this show? And again, if you're one of the contestants, please don't be offended, but I think you're nuts. Um, it's called, Josh told me the name of it earlier. It's called T Tiara and Toddlers. Have I got it backwards? Toddlers and Tiaras? 
Does that not creep you out? That show, it's just these, these mothers and these little children dressed so inappropriately, and I just thought, what is their image of beauty? When, when they get 16, what is their, these little girl, their, 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 their view of womanhood? And I don't know, just send these signals, and I just watch them thinking, oh my God goodness, I, I, I called Kathy into the room. You know, I'm, I'm propped up in bed, and I'm watching this show, and I said, Kathy, you got to see this. Get in here. Look at what these mothers are doing to these children. You know, and the children are oh, just, I just get a chill thinking about that. We've seen our share of craziness, and if, and, if you're, and if you've got one of those children, God bless you, and I hope you use that somehow as, for the glory of God. I don't know how, but um, <laughs> I just leave all things with the Lord, but uh, I suspect there are people who know what it's like uh, and the unique heartaches of being in a dysfunctional family or being in an unhappy family. I was, particularly during my teenage years and the period after that, a member of an unhappy family in in a lot of ways. Uh, And I think we know that. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to take this look through the window of the Bible into a very dysfunctional, uh, unhappy family. They had their own issues, and the ways that they chose to try to resolve those were a a little bizarre, uh, but we kind of can identify. And it may not be, uh, probably won't be, the same way that you struggle through things, Um, but I think it'll help you to understand that God blesses messy lives and that God is with us. Uh, sometimes not just because of our families, but in spite uh, of the families that we come from or that we're even a part of now. Last week, we saw how Jacob uh, was tricked by Laban. And and everybody in his family is constantly tricking each other. Uh, His his uncle got him to marry uh, these, these two sisters, Rachel, whom the Bible says Jacob loved, and Leah, the Bible just comes right out and says, He didn't love her. He never loved her. And in today's text, this this competition, this this rivalry, I can't say that word, this competition and this this hatred that grew up between these two sisters uh, comes comes to this real obvious point. Uh, uh, And it's sordid stuff. It's the kind of stuff you would see on reality television. I thought we could name this... Uh, you know, battling brides and babies, you know, episode three in today. Uh, but, but, you know, and it, it's this drama. And I think you can, you, it, you can sum it up uh, in a couple of sentences uh, when we look at our text in, in chapter 29 of Genesis in verse 30. Uh, it begins by saying this. Um, so Jacob went into Rachel and he loved Rachel more than Leah. And he served Laban for another seven years. This is not something that was hidden. Everybody knew about it. Verse 31 says, When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So you have one wife who's loved but childless, and the other who's bearing these sons. She's having babies, but that doesn't mean she's loved. And just because you can make babies isn't the same thing as love. 
okay? I mean, just that's just a little side thing. That's a whole other message, too. Anybody can make babies. That doesn't mean somebody loves you, okay? So just tuck that away. This drama is just almost unbelievable, but it really happened. And I want you to notice the words that Leah uses in the next couple of verses in Genesis chapter 29, uh, in verse 32. And Leah has always broken my heart. I shared with you last year, that, uh, last year, <laughs> uh, last week, that, uh, that she, I've always had an, an affection and a, a kind of a tender place for her. But in verse 32, uh, the Bible says, And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, and doesn't this just sound pitiful? For now my husband will love me. You love me now? Love me now? She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son and said, Oh my goodness, listen to this. Now this time my husband will be attached to me. We'll have a bond because of the children. He'll care about me now. Because I've borne him three sons, and therefore his name will be called Levi. I can't believe she goes through all this because she, she's having these babies, but there's no affection. There's no real concern. There is no bond. There's no interest. There's no sharing. There's no whispers between them. Leah is going to always be on the outside of things. And she feels that. She knows that. And I imagine Rachel knows that. So you can, you can just, you know the dynamics that are, that are going on there emotionally and all that's happening but then this remarkable change comes uh, when this fourth son, Judah, is born. In verse 35, the Bible says that Leah says, This time, I'll praise the Lord. You get that sense that she's just come to the end of herself. And all of this that she's trying to create and just constantly do. And she goes, therefore, I'm going to name him Judah. And she ceased bearing. She stopped having children. I think for this, this portion of the story that we're reading today, that this is the high point of the, whole, of the hotel. Uh, the scene shifts then to this beautiful but self-addicted, <laughs> self-absorbed Rachel. Last Sunday, we went to, down the street to Sergeant Pepperoni's for lunch. My name is Dan, which is going to be one of the son's names in this story. My daughter's name is Rebecca. And my son's fiance, whom we adore and is very sweet, his name's Rachel. <laughs> so we're all sitting there thinking, wow, we don't look so good in Scripture. We don't have this, our namesakes. Uh, and I said, Rachel, you're nothing like this Rachel. Uh, but this Rachel is not so easy to like. When you read Genesis chapter 30, verse 1 and 2, uh, it says, When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. And she said to Jacob, Jacob, he's always sitting around. I don't know what he's doing, but, you know. Okay, um, give me children or I shall die. What do you? Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Are you saying this is my fault? Are you going to put this on me? He kind of puts it back uh, to her. And you get this. At least I get this strange case of deja vu when I read this because we have seen this story play out like this before in the book of Genesis. Jacob's grandmother, Sarah, had been childless for years and years and years. 
uh, and so had Jacob's own mother, Rebekah. Now, Sarah took matters into her own hands, telling her husband, Abraham, what I want you to do is sleep with my, my servant, uh, and then Sarah would take that baby and call it her own. That was the, the plan, and it turned out, it was awful. It just turned out terrible, uh, and it resulted in a huge family strife that if you trace it back and you look at what's going on in the Middle East, this is when it began. That's where it all started, right there. So it was a terrible idea, uh, and, and it didn't work and has caused so many problems. And there's also Jacob's own mother, Rebecca. She was childless for 20 years. And the Bible says that in that situation, Isaac prayed, and Rebecca uh, became pregnant. So with the story of Rachel, it's like we're reading up to this point, and we hold our breath to see, okay, here's this childless wife. What is she going to do? Which direction will she go? And we get the answer in verse 4. It says, so she gave him her son Bilhah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan, and Dan was the most handsome of all the sons. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kathy wrote that in. Uh, yeah, that's her handwriting. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, with many wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Naphtali means like a doe set free, gives beautiful fawns. That's another place in Scripture. Uh, and you read this and you think, really? Girls, 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 you know, stop it. You know, but that's, this is kind of what they do. And you just let out this, oh, no, why did you go that direction? I think there's obviously too often in life, we don't give God the credit that he deserves. But in this case, I think Rachel gave God credit for something he didn't want to have any part of. He didn't deserve it because God didn't do this. In verse 6, when Rachel says, God has vindicated me, that's legal language. That's courtroom talk. She's saying, I took my sister to God's court, and he ruled in my favor. And I think I'll name my son God ruled in my favor. That's what that name means. And at this point, we, we feel like, you know, I, I kind of I think, I think, okay, what's the score uh, in this quarter? And it, it says, but Rachel, your sister has four boys uh, without a surrogate, and you have two, and neither one of them look very much like you because <laughs> they're not hers. Uh, but I wouldn't want to point that out to Rachel. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be the one to go, hey, guess what? You know, I was just thinking about this. Uh, no. Uh, and, but the, the ball is back in Leah's court. And in verses 9 through 12, uh, let's just stop and read that. When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant, Zilpah, uh, bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, Happy am I, for women have called me happy. And she called his name Asher. I mean, this just, this just goes on. Um, Rachel has a son she named Struggle. His name means struggle, fight, because I've been fighting with my sister, and now I'm winning, and it's all about the babies. Well, it, this keeps going on. 
and now the score is six to two. And there's where the strange turn of events happens in this next verse, in verse 14. Uh, and I'll kind of tell you a little bit about how this, this, this is a PG-13 message at this point, okay? Uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about in just a moment. It says, In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you've taken away my husband? Oh, you feel that? You already stole my husband, and now you want the mandrakes. Mm-mm. And she did this with her head. Mm-mm. <laughs> Rachel said, Then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. And when Jacob came in from the field that evening, Oh, I'm home. Okay, I'm sorry. Jacob just, I just think, Jacob, four women. Okay, um, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have hired you, husband. (laughs) Uh, Okay, with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my wages because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. Uh, This is so strange. Now, what's going on? You know, Leah's firstborn son, Reuben, is out in the fields, and he discovers these mandrakes. And what they are is this strange plant. It's kind of like it's in the tomato family. I looked this up. But the roots of a mandrake look kind of like a little man. And it's been long thought that they were an aphrodisiac or, you know, that they would aid in fertility. Ask mom and daddy about that when you get home. In verse 14, Rachel hears about the news of this discovery, and she asks Leah, can I have some of those mandrakes? Uh, She's convinced, and at that time in culture, it's like a supplement, you know. She's like down at the the GNC or Walmart or somewhere, and she goes, now what does this one do? Oh, this works. This works. So she wants those mandrakes. She's convinced that's going to solve her problem. And you can just hear Leah's anger and hurt in her reply in that 15th verse. Wasn't it enough? You've got Jacob. You've taken him away. And now you're going to do this? So that's where this bizarre bargain happens. This, this first Craigslist deal to ever... I mean, it's, and apparently Jacob is not sleeping with Leah anymore at all. There, he's, so Rachel trades Jacob to Leah for the mandrakes. She says, look, I'll hire Jacob out to you for a week. You know, you, you, give me the mandrakes. Uh, that's ultimately... And what she's doing is a roll of the dice. I don't think anything's going to happen. In a, I don't think you're going to have enough time to have another baby. Uh, but with those mandrakes, I believe I will. I, and so she's, she's playing the odds here and thinking this is going to work out long-range... Uh, this is going to work for me, deal or no deal. You want to do it. And Leah, bless her heart, she's so lonely. I just can't believe. She's, I just think, how humiliating would this be? But she does it. She takes the deal. She's thinking, I don't know what she's thinking. I just project onto that like ministers do. But, I, you know, maybe she just really fixed herself up and thought, this is a chance. If I can just get him, you know, I've got his attention for a few days. And if he just sees what I'm really like and we spend this time together, I think he's going to... She just wants him back so badly. And sometimes we take the wrong strategy to get the attention of somebody that we love or we care about, and we employ all these schemes and methods, and we think that's going to work, and it doesn't work, and this doesn't work out so well. 
In fact, Rachel doesn't get pregnant. It doesn't happen for her. But guess who does? Leah. Look at verse 17. Um, the Bible says, uh, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. So she has another baby, and um, she names him, God has taken away my disgrace. God has take that, uh, take, taken that away. So, excuse well, that's going to happen in just a moment. This, um, a better translation is God's paid me my wages uh, for, for that particular name. But you see this heartache again. In verse 20, she says, this time my husband will treat me with honor. This time he'll respect me. I think I'm getting him back. I think, you can tell her friends, you know, I think it's, work, I think it's working. Uh, having all these babies. I, I, he said hi to me the other day when he came in. He just never says hi like that. I, I, you know, she's just wanting it so much. Okay, now back to Rachel. Ten sons have been born at this point. There are ten boys running around camp. You know, they're all over the place. Uh, and not one of them is really hers. Not one son she's had. But notice what happens in verse 22 uh, and, and 24. And this is so sweet the way it begins. Then God remembered Rachel. She loved that. And God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived dun, da, 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 and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph. Now he's going to grow up and become a very famous man. Saying, the Lord, may the Lord add to me another son. So just like that, Rachel finally, finally, finally has this boy. And she names him Joseph. And what that means is, may I have another? <laughs> Can I have another one? You know, it's just like you, you give a child a piece of, you know, my niece was here, and I gave her this bouquet of nerds and all these great candies. Favorite uncles do that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, she immediately plucks one off, and then just, can I have another one? I go, yes, you can. I said, in fact, everything you ask all weekend, the answer is yes. <laughs> Woo! You know, and, uh, and so she loves that. And uh, her dad called and said, that's just bribery. And I said, whatever you want to call it, it's working, you know. And here we go. And she said, can I have another one? And actually, Rachel would have, eventually, she would have, uh, another son. This is after they return to Canaan. She goes back with Jacob, and uh, and it, and it, it, it kind of hit me as as strange. Uh, I start to say it hit me as funny, but it's not funny. It's she she named this boy Joseph. She tells Jacob, "Give me children, or I'll die. I'm just going to die if you don't you don't give me babies." And you know what? That's exactly what happened. While giving birth to to Benjamin, who will be this, this son, this last son, Rachel died. The ironic thing is she never got to raise this son that she had fought for all this time and all these years and all this struggle, and she has this baby and she dies. Well, here's the part of the story that none of us maybe have been thinking about the whole time. I don't know, uh, because I, I think, okay, we've, we've gone off on this this trail, and it's all, you know, Leah and, and Rachel and all these sons. Those seem to be the main characters. But I don't want us to stray too far because don't forget that this whole story, where are you headed? Jacob. The story is about Jacob and how God blesses Jacob's life. 
He is and always will be for this entire series the main character in the story. God had promised Jacob, I'm going to bless you with a great family, which would ultimately be beyond counting. You're not going to be able to count them. And this is how God works through this mess, and he fulfills that promise. This is a story of a great blessing in disguise. And the mess in this family is not God's fault. God didn't say, okay, here's how I'm going to do this, and he, he, he unfolds this plan. That's not the way I don't think God had in his heart and imagination for this to work. All the misery, all the craziness of this family was due to deception and jealousy and heartache and scheming and pride and sneakiness. I mean, they just go through all these things to try to get what everybody's trying to get what they want. But the wonder of it, and this is the gospel, the beautiful thing is that God was able to bless in spite of all the mess. In spite of all that. God had long promised, uh, Jacob, your life's going to be something special. But I wonder, as these years go uh, along, you know, Jacob maybe forgot about that. Or maybe he didn't think about it so much. And God has said, just, Jacob, you're not alone. And I'm still with you, and I'm still going to keep these promises. I think we lean into this because Jacob's story feels familiar, doesn't it? Uh, it feels a lot like my story. It feels like your story. We're all messes. And you're living this life and you think, this is not the way I dreamed my life would be. This is not the marriage that I imagined when I was a little girl and I'd play dress up. This is not the job, the career, and I saw myself as being, you know, in the Super Bowl tonight and it's not happening for me. You know, and all these, and you think, God, is this really, and, and this person in my family did this, and then this happened, and then this. And, and you think, my children, one of my children's gone astray, and, or my parents just got to this certain age, and then they just went kind of crazy. And, you know, and we start thinking, God, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how it's supposed to be. And, and maybe it's not. And it's not the life you dreamed of. You didn't want the breakup. You didn't want to have to move. You didn't want the divorce. You didn't want, you think, God, can you still bless can you still bless this messy life of mine? Well, remember that behind this story stand the promises of God. The, the promises he made to Jacob. The promises of a great legacy. Of this land. Of being the root from you know, the blessing of the whole world. And folks, I just, and this is the part I've just been waiting to get to all morning. Because I think we have even greater promises than Jacob. God has given us promises. They're even better. I don't know, Dan. These, God gave him that. You know what? When, when Jesus saves us, we are so richly blessed. We have been adopted by God as our Father. We're in the family. And he says, I, you have my presence with you every day, wherever you go, whatever you do. And then God speaks to us through the Bible. They didn't even have a Bible. We do. And God's word is there. And, and, and this truth and this wisdom and this comfort on every page is right there for us. And God speaks to us ultimately through Jesus, how he's loved us through Christ. And we have this family in church. There's some of you, 
and maybe you can say this too. My church family is closer to me in a lot of ways and love me better than my own family, my own physical family. God's given us that through Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the capacity to be good people, to be righteous people. He has loved us at every turn. And then he takes away death's sting. We have this this hope of everlasting life in heaven, this promise of a more beautiful place. And empty lives are filled, and blind people can see, and lame people can walk, and criminals are released. And those of us who longed for freedom have been set free and live in liberty. Dead people are raised to life. We are so blessed beyond measure. Sometimes, though, I think this, this, this one great blessing that is missing. Sometimes there's one thing in your mind. You think, but that's, this is what I wanted. And the, the desire for that can obscure. It just covers over all these other things. And we forget everything else that God has ever done. And maybe you probably know Aaliyah. Someone who's desperate for love from a mom or a dad. I held a man who just wept in my arms. He's probably almost 60 years old. And his dad has been dead for years and years, and he just shook, and he said, my daddy never loved me. He never told me that. He was never proud of me. And I thought, in his heart, there's this little boy, and he's still longing to be loved by his father. Some of you are longing to be loved by a husband. Some of you long to be loved by a wife or a friend, and you feel Leah's pain because she's so desperate. And always striving, always hoping, with one more accomplishment, one more trophy, one more promotion, one more effort. And you love me now? Now do you like me? And you feel that. Or maybe you know, or maybe you are a Rachel, someone who has so much, and you've been loved by so many, and you're so beautiful, you're so talented, you're so gifted, But there's this one thing that you didn't get. You can't stop focusing on that. Yeah, I've got all that. And yeah, mom and daddy love me. And yeah, this. But what I really want is that. And I can't get it. That's all I want is this one thing. And I just don't, I just always come away empty. And my dreams are unfulfilled. You know, I think we can probably relate to both of those situations sometimes. There's a guy named William Cowper who uh, he lived most of his Christian life under this crippling depression. Just so many days of darkness. He came to the point of almost suicide uh, several times. And he's the guy uh, that you would be more familiar with if you knew what it was that he wrote. And this is what it was. This is what he said. God moves in a in mysterious way his wonders to perform. I was in the office one day, and a lady in our church called me, and she said, Dan, I need you to tell me where this verse is. And I said, okay. And, you know, I'm getting out my Bible. Yeah, I've probably got it memorized, and I'm in the concordance. I'm ready for know, She goes, God moves, you know, in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. I just closed my Bible, and I said, oh, that's not not a verse. I said it more gently, but I said, that's not in the Bible. I said, a lot of people think it is, but that's not a Scripture verse. And she said, yes, it is. She says, it's always been one of my favorite verses. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's not in the Bible. It's, it's just a saying. It's something 
That, uh, and she argued with me probably five minutes before she just gave up on me and thought, Pastor doesn't know the word. You know, I'll call somebody else. I think she called Joe, and he found it. <laughs> You're right, honey. That is in there. I don't know what he's thinking. Um, but it's not a verse. But, it, 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 you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those that, that we see happening in this story God does move in these mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, and sometimes even in a dark story like this. And I think the first mysterious way is that sometimes, you know, he, he will place a person exactly where they don't want to be because it happens to be the best place for the adventure that God wants to live, for this next part of the story. And for you to be positioned to receive God's blessing, you may not be in the job that you wanted to be. You may not be in this situation. You know, and you may think, God, am, am I here because I'm out of your will? Or have you brought me to an uncomfortable place because you want to bless me? So before you bail, before you run, before you seek another, you know, I'm just getting out of it. Before you do that, before you bail on your marriage, and walk away and think the grass is greener somewhere else and I can do before you step out of that relationship just stop and go God do you have me right where you want me because this is where you can bless me best I think that's one of the things that God was trying to, to teach you know Rachel like Sarah and Rebecca before her Rachel's childlessness is the very place where she needed to be because God was on display and God wanted to bless her. He wanted to pour out blessing in her life. That's what he does. And this barrenness that she senses and she feels is where God's grace works wonders. It feels awful to be in those positions. You know those times where you're somewhere and you may be there today and you think, all I want is out of it. I don't care if God gets glory. I don't care. I just want an ordinary day. I just want a normal day. I don't want any more drama. I just want to be past this. And you feel like, I'm just sick, I'm lonesome, I'm disgraced, I'm weak, and I just need God to show himself. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 10, he said, God, I'm just going to pray to you and pray to you and pray to you. Take this thorn away. And we're not sure what that thorn was, but he prayed for it over and over and over. God, take it away, take it away. And he finally came to the place and said, okay, God, if you don't take it away, I can live with it as long as I know you're with me. As long as you get glory, and as long as you feel me, he said, I would rather be in this situation, I'd rather be sick like this and have Jesus. I'd rather be lonesome like this, but you are with me than the other way around. He said, so if you don't want to take it away, all right, but don't you leave me. You stay with me in the middle of it, and I can do it. There's another mysterious way I think that God works his wonders, is, and, and this is a way I don't like, is he takes his time. You ever pray and go, Lord, here's what I need, and if you could do that by 3 o'clock, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be great. Take till 4 if you need it. You know, I know things are busy. If, you know, you got world peace and all of it. Okay, 5 o'clock, thanks so much for answering my prayers. You know, I've prayed prayers like that. I've prayed prayers at the beginning of a test. Tell me you haven't done that. Lord, if you will miraculously bring all this information into my mind, I will go to Africa, China, anywhere, you name it. Just get me through this test. And it doesn't come. He says, I can only pull out what you put in. Uh, and it's not there. God takes his time sometimes. He's never in a hurry. God is never in a hurry. 
You ever pray? You ever pray those prayers? Oh Lord, I need you to listen. <clears throat> yeah. Lord, I'm I'm in God. I gotta listen. All right, what is it? You know, and he's like, Lord, get urgent with me. I never feel urgent. <laughs> God is always on the same pace. He's always in the right place. His time timing is always perfect. And he's building something in you. He's building something in me. And it's character. And it's trust. And he's trying his best to pry your grip off things that you never should have grabbed hold of to begin with. And to look to him. Psalm 27, 14 is this beautiful verse. And you might want to write this one down to take it home with you. Uh, And it says this. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. Now, here's this third mystery. Uh, In in verse 17, uh, I love this. He listens to you with compassion. Even when you think you can't hear him, when you think God is silent, and you think, I don't guess God's around anywhere, he's listening. In verse 17, it said, God listened to Leah. In verse 22, the Bible says, Then God remembered Rachel, and he listened to her, and he opened up her womb. Now, in both cases... There is no record of either of these women ever praying. They're not even praying and God's listening. They're just, have you ever been in a situation where you think, I can't even pray? You ever felt so paralyzed by a situation or a circumstance or a hurt or a pain that all you needed to do was just, you just curled up and you just, you just, that's where they were and God heard that. They couldn't even verbalize. I don't even know what to pray. God, I don't even know what to pray. And they just groan, and they just moan. And God says, in your hurt, in your pain, in your disappointment, I hear you. I hear your heartache. And it's that way for us. God, is so. it's just so beautiful. Even when we're reluctant, we can't even speak. Or when you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you think, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything. God is there and he's listening. And it says, you know, what, what Leah and Rachel lacked, we have. We have the Bible. Uh, we can see his words. We can hear what he, his, you know, his plan and his heart for us is, his love and his attention. It's just lavished and, and through all these love letters to us. God is listening to you. Even when you're not praying, he sees your heart and he feels it. He, he hears your groans and he sees your grief and he will respond to you. Now, let me be quick to say, you know, last week the whole message revolved around this idea that you've got to pray God into your story. You've got to pray God into your story. I think everything that this family went through, all the heartaches and all the craziness could have been avoided if they had just prayed. If way back here, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I just want to stop and pray. If Jacob had done that, you know, if Leah said, God, I just, I, I just need to pray. If Rachel said, Lord, I, this isn't right, I just need to pray. Nobody's praying. I really think this would have been a different story. So pray. Pray him into your life. But he's listening. He's listening. And when you have to live uh, in a place where you feel unloved or empty or disgraced, or unfulfilled, when you've got to wait for God's timing and wait for God's answer, what do you do? What do we do? First of all, trust that God is going to bless your mess. He's going to bless you richly. He's going to bless you wonderfully. He's going to come through for you in his time. 
Faith is being sure of what we hope for. It's being certain of what we don't see yet. What we don't see yet. Now, Peter wrote his letters to persecuted Christians. They were in bad places and bad uh, circumstances. But he offered these words that uh, I'm going to leave you with. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 10 and 11. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you, you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's your verse. That's for you. God's going to find ways in your life to do things you probably never dreamed he would do. So I just get real practical with you. Keep reading your Bible. Don't put it away and say, well, you know what? I don't see it happening, so what's the use in reading that? I'm just going to, I'm, I'm not going to keep reading your scripture. God's going to speak to you through his word. He's got something to say to you through his word. Ask others to pray for you during a time when you feel like my faith is so fragile and I'm starting to let go. I don't think I can, I can't keep my grip on God. That's a beautiful thing about community group, about church, about your, call a friend. Oh my, please don't do this by yourself. Call somebody and say, you got to pray. You got to pray for me. I'm slipping. And we will pray. We will hold you up. We will carry you in prayer. And just one other thing, and then, and then we're, we're done. Um, in your suffering, in this moment, do not sin. I think Rachel messed up. I think she shot herself in the foot by all of her poor responses. She blamed her husband. You know, she's yelling at him. You better give me babies, you know, and she's, she's in, in his face. And, and then she's, she's warring with her sister. She's fighting with, it's all about, the, and it becomes this competition, you know. And then she schemes, and she complains, and, and she goes through all these things. She made her life and her situation about ten times harder than it ever had to be. It didn't have to go that way. And when you're hurting, things get fuzzy. And what you never would have considered, you know, a month ago or a year ago, you look and think, well, that's an option. I could do that, and I could do this. No, don't do that. Don't take the money. Don't go in that direction. Don't do this. I mean, you know, you just start thinking all these crazy things. And when you do that, what sin does is it just, it just lets the air out of faith. It depletes your spiritual energy. And you'll just keep spinning off in that direction. And it'll, it'll put distance between you and God's heart. That's where you need to be so badly. It's hard to avoid sin. When you're weak and when you're tired and when you're tempted, I know that's a tough place. But be careful. Be careful right there. And if you do sin, or you already have, and you think, oh, I'm already kind of there, and I'm, I'm really inappropriate in this, and I'm starting to, then just stop it. <laughs> stop. Confess your sin. Repent. And get back under that umbrella of grace. It's not too late. I don't care how messy your circumstance is for God to come in. And wherever you are, give him praise. Just keep praising the Lord. I mean, there's this shining moment in this dark story 
that I mentioned earlier, and it's when Leah had her fourth son, and the Bible says when she gave birth to him, she said, this time, I'm just going to praise the Lord. I'm going to quit naming them after all these, you know, and all of that. God, I just want to praise you. Whatever else happens, boys or no boys, praise God. And she just gives the Lord. She sets her loveless marriage to the side. And she forgets all these things in herself and her own esteem and everything that's happened to her. She says, God, I just want to stop and thank you for what you've given me. I overlook that sometimes. And so she praises God. uh, And we need to do the same thing. You know, sing out loud. Roll up the windows to the car, get in the shower, <laughs> lock the door, go out in the woods somewhere and just sing. You know, what it praises is just telling the truth. It's just agreeing with God. God, here's this pain-filled moment in my life and here's all these lies I hear the enemy whispering to me. I'm going to choose against that and I'm going to get out in the wilderness and I'm going to look up this ladder and I'm going to see Jesus at the top of it and I'm going to be reminded, you have not left me and I'm not out here by myself. And I'm going to sing praise. And there's such heartache in life. I mean, it's, I know it's hurtful. And I know you've been disappointed. And I know sometimes you get disgraced even. And, but there's always this great God who's with us. And he's always compassionate. He's always listening. He always loves you. And he likes you. And always in his timing, there's going to be a blessing. So take it from Leah. Here's what she said. This time, I'm going to praise the Lord. This time, I'm just, I'm just going to give it to Jesus. I'm just going to give it to the Lord. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. And we've set aside this moment in, in, our, in our worship experience today for you to be able just to do that, to have a minute. Because I think if we just said, okay, that's it, we're done, let's go. You know, uh, you may miss this and think you're going to come back to it, but you don't get back to it tonight because you're watching the game or tomorrow you've got to go to work or school and... So what we want to do is just give you a moment. Um, are you at a place like Leah or like Rachel or maybe even like Jacob who was just absent in this? I look at him and I think, what a spiritual leader. <laughs> what a great husband and father you are, Jake. That is so, you got these four, okay, we're not even going to talk about that. That's a whole other deal. But uh, I think, Jacob, you need to repent and you need to pray and you need to cover your wives with blessing. You need to cover these children. You're a man of promise. You're the guy. Be the guy. I don't know where you are. Ladies, I don't know where you are. What it is that makes you feel valuable or beautiful. This, is, this, this was not the right way. Step back in. And I know you're in a mess. But that's where God blesses. With your family. The family you came from. The family you're in. God can bless. Trust me. This is one of those things I know, I know what I'm talking about. Would you stand, please? And let's just pray for God's blessing. And then if you need to pray or would like to pray with someone, absolutely. If you just want to come and pray by yourself, please feel free to do that. You're at liberty in this room. Go anywhere, do do whatever it is the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for today. I thank you for these beautiful promises that you've given us. We have seen today a lot of dysfunction in this family. We've seen people acting out in unbelievable uh, (laughs) plans. Uh, None of them worked without you. Father, would you bring us to the place where Leah is, where we just say, this time I'm going to give you praise, and this time I'm going to step forward in faith. 
I'm not going to keep trying out all my ideas. I'm not going to sin in this moment to get what I want. I could so easily, you know, finagle this where I get what I want. If I just sin, if I just cross the line, God, pull us back today. And we're going to commit this moment to you. Uh, and you hear us. We know you listen to these women and you listen to us. So listen to us now, Father, as we pour out our hearts to you for your glory, for the promises.